Welcome to the King's Church Amersham podcast. For more information and resources, go to www.kca.church. Okay, everybody. Shall we just pray for Paul this morning as he brings the word? Dear Lord Jesus, we just thank you for Paul. We thank you for all that he brings. And Lord, we just pray for him this morning as he brings your word. Lord, we pray for a blessing upon him and wise words this morning. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. Great to see some familiar faces and some that I... I don't recognise, most welcome this morning. If you have a Bible, if you'd like to turn to Matthew 1, we're going to look at a few verses from that passage this morning. But a couple of weeks ago, Julian uh, brilliantly actually just shared a bit about Mary's life and how Jesus came into her life in a, in a rather unique way. And nobody else ever will or has received Jesus like Mary received Jesus. It's quite extraordinary. And this morning, we're actually going to have a little look at the life of Joseph and look at actually his response to receiving Jesus into his life as well. We haven't got much in scriptures about Joseph. What we have, we've got a little passage here this morning. We're going to have a look at those things and just observe maybe some things about his life and actually about the character of this man. Because I think this is fascinating as I've been looking at this these last week. So let's read together from Matthew 1 and uh, verses 18 to 25. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet didn't want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate the marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. So Joseph, we don't have much in scriptures about this man, but we have this little passage here. And in these moments, what we read is Joseph is faced with a dilemma. He's this woman who he's engaged to marry, and somehow during this engagement, she gets pregnant by somebody else besides him. And so, quite within his rights, within their culture, he's seeking to break that betrothal. Break the engagement. Divorce here means breaking this engagement. Because then in those days, this was a very, very binding thing. And you see, the reason probably that he thought he was going to do this in his mind, well, because actually Joseph was a husband, 
potentially, but he was a righteous man, or at least he thought he was. And actually, if you read between the lines here, he was quite trying to be really quite big, quite gracious about this. He didn't want to publicly disgrace her, which had been well within his rights, but actually what he was trying to do was just to do it all quietly, subtly, in telling himself that it was a right. He's quite within his rights, according to the, to the law in Deuteronomy 22. It says very clearly that if a woman was to become pregnant before marriage, then they were within his rights to do this. And so he's planning to send her away quietly. And she's going to be disgraced, of course, eventually. But he can make it more gradual and he can put it off a bit. But then this angel comes to Joseph and says, no, no, no. Do not be afraid. Or you could put it this way. Don't be a coward. Don't be a coward. You see, I think whilst Joseph had good intentions, or perhaps he could justify his intentions through his actions in these moments, there's probably something else going on here, which is, and we all know about this, self-interest. He's a righteous guy. And he's trying to do things nicely. But the point is that actually for him to take on Mary now, not only would she have the disdain, but he would also take the disdain on himself. And that's a difficult thing. See, in that time for Mary, she would have been cut off. She would have been ruined. She'd have been an outcast. She would have been socially marginalized. She would have been disgraced. Her life would have been blown up. Because God coming in this way and impregnating, well, it just doesn't fit with anybody's understanding of how things should be. And so, in order to explain it to people, well, not many people are going to buy it. And for Joseph to receive this news to receive her, to receive Christ into his life at this point. If he marries her, not only will there be a baby and a wife, but there'll also be the disgrace that comes with these circumstances. And the only way he can really be free of that, I guess, is to, is to send her away. If he divorces her, then it will be clear he's the righteous man. He's done the right thing by the law before God. But if he marries her and they have this child, it will be clear to the whole world that they have been unfaithful to God together. So you can feel, I think, the tension in this for Joseph. What does he do? And the challenge of the angel is, is he going to be the man that God thinks he is, the courageous man that says, you know what? I don't care about the disdain of the world. I don't care if my life is ruined. I'm in. I think every Christian knows to a point something about the disdain of the world. If you say to somebody, well, Jesus Christ has forgiven my sins, therefore I know him, I know God. I know God loves me, I know I'm going to heaven. 
that doesn't fit with the world's view of things. The world hears you say this, I think. Sometimes it says, has say this, and they think, God, you must be an arrogant so-and-so. Because by definition, the world says, well, if there is a God, then he must like the good people. The very good people. And you Christians say you know God, so you say that actually you're special, you're, you're better than us? Is that what you're saying? And we say, oh, no, 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 actually, no, we're sinners. You're what? See, the world's good, no matter how you say it or how you dress it up, but sometimes in one sense they feel, well, isn't that an arrogant thing to say or isn't that a weak thing to say? No matter what Mary said, the people are going to say, really? Really? And I think for Joseph, no matter what he said, people are going to say, yeah, really? Really? I'm sure some of you will have known people who knew you before you were a Christian. And they look at you and they say, really? You're still a nice person. Don't know what happened. Maybe they'll wake up someday. Maybe they'll go back to being normal. There's this tremendous danger that we, that we shy away from being who we are because of the disdain of the world. But if you're, if you're scared, I mean, look at this passage, really, and look at the passages all around this story. Those that were, there's two illiterate, impoverished teenagers who receive God into their lives, receive Jesus Christ, despite the disdain of the world. And as a result, look what happens. And it's very hard to find any of the pages we have recorded, those that brought the disdain. Their names are lost in the dust somewhere. But the two had the courage to do it. What an amazing thing. How courageous are you feeling this morning, I wonder? The second thing in this passage, which I noticed this week more than ever before, which I... Joseph gets... Then a challenge from the angel. He says to the angel, the angel says, basically says to him, you know what? You don't also, you can accept this baby, but also you don't even get to name this baby. You have to name him Jesus. You don't get to know him. Now, of course, in every culture, parents have a right to name their child in Jane was my relationship, I had less right, I think. <laughs> uh, it was a very much a two-way thing. <laughs> but naming is a sign of, if you like, ownership. It's a sign of authority. It's a sign of, it's a sign of, well, it's kind of a labelling, isn't it? That basically you have authority, that something's under your management, someone's under your management. You invent the name, or you choose the name, and you start this journey with that person, with that name. And it comes because there are things in that name that actually have value to you or meaning to you. Maybe not so much in our culture, but in these cultures and in other cultures, it's a really high thing. And the angel says, you know what? If you want to receive this child into your life, the child doesn't come under your management. You'll be under his 
You may not name him. He actually might be naming you. And this is the second reason I think often it's a real challenge to come to Christ. The first reason, well, people will laugh at me. Yeah, that's a reason. But I think the second reason, if I become a Christian, will I be in charge? Will I be able to do this? Will I be able to do this? Will I still be able to do this? Will he help me do that? And Jesus comes and the angel speaks and says, no. You're going to submit to this authority now. Whatever he says, you're going to do this. This is a king. This is a king. See, he's not really a convenient, compliant saviour. Nothing in this story is about convenience, as Julian explained the other day. Nothing in this story is easy. But sometimes we want it to be like that, don't we? We'd like our Christian walk to be nice and simple and easy. And it's not always like that. I'm not going to become a Christian, I've heard this a few times, unless he lets me do this and that. How do you know you should be doing this or that? That means that you know who you are. Whereas this is the creator of the universe who knows you better than you know yourself. Would you not think that the things that he has for you might be better than you can possibly imagine? Beyond your comprehension even. I'm sure for Joseph, this is all way beyond his comprehension. But look how glorious it became. I wonder if we're sometimes we don't become Christians because we're scared of the adventure. Or maybe we limit what God can do in our lives because we're scared of the adventure. Jesus coming into your life doesn't mean you're going to receive a God who's going to get you, help you get from here to there. That's totally predictable. Jesus comes into your life as Lord, not to be named, but as the name above all names. And it's an adventure. And it's a challenge. And there's lots more to be said about that, but I'm running out of time. But this is the thing that Joseph had to face. The challenge of lordship. And there's a third thing here. Which has really challenged me this week. You see, we can't have Jesus in our lives, really, unless we're prepared to accept the disdain of the world. We're prepared to accept his lordship, but also the courage to admit that we need a saviour. See, the angel says, this baby, he will save people from their sins. And this is, this is a scary thing. Hands up, all of those who admit, don't put your hands up. You need to be saved, that you need a saviour. I wonder what Joseph thought. Did I need saving? Do I need saving? This is a moment when he has to have the courage to say, you know what? I do. I need rescuing. God owes me nothing. 
but I have his sheer mercy. I mean, he could cut me off. He could, he could leave me and it would be absolutely just, but he doesn't. He comes and says, I will save you. Receive my grace. And Christians just, I'm thinking, my friends who know I'm a Christian and some of them who aren't, think it's very quaint and very lowly. And they laugh at me talking about sin and how possibly weak that is. I think to, to admit you need help these days is actually far easier than it's ever been in one sense. It's not something to be ashamed of. But to admit you need saving, to admit you need a saviour, takes courage, takes mobility, takes humility. How did he get the courage to do all these things, Joseph? In this passage, it seems there's a moment, isn't there? He's been asleep. The Holy Spirit speaks to him through this angel. And suddenly, there seems to be a change in heart. Well, God can do that in his presence. Even like this morning as we worship, you meet with God and somehow he moves your heart. He changes it. There's another thing in here which I, I find really fascinating. And that is, I think somehow, to some low degree, he got wind of just what it was that Mary had received into her life in, 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 a, in a different way. And he understood that what she'd received was going to blow up her life forever. And that must have moved Joseph. Because I think Joseph, realising that Mary had blown up his life to save the world which included his life. He was part of the world. As a result, Joseph looked at Mary in her weakness and her vulnerability. And rather than escape, Joseph, it seems, identifies with Mary and actually identifies with her weakness so that her disgrace becomes his. Rather than run from the disgrace... In one sense, he embraces it. See, for a teenage single parent in those times, even though the Romans didn't allow it, often the Jewish tradition meant that they would be executed. That she maybe, if that didn't happen, she would be starved, no work, ostracized, and the only really way for Mary to give up her life for this child that was to come, that was to save everyone, was for Joseph to give up his life. That was the cost. And in this story, somehow we see this rhythm unfold of giving up a life for another. And in some ways, it's this prophetic image of this child that is to come that would give up his life for us. This young lady's willingness to give up her life for others. Joseph choosing to give up his life for hers so that this baby, Jesus, the Son of God, could give up his life for ours. And as Christian, 
we get to, if you like, take part in this story of giving up our lives for that bigger picture. It's not so much a sacrifice, really, when you walk for a while and you understand all that you gain. But there is that decision to make. And sometimes I need to make it again. We all need to make it again. The Son of God. The Son of God giving up his life for us. We're going to come to the communion table in just a moment. I'm going to think about that sacrifice. See, what is courage? I said to you this morning, if you're feeling courageous this morning, courage isn't necessarily strength. Maybe it is some of that. But in this story, we see courage as the willingness to be weak and vulnerable. We see in Christmas, the courage of Christ is to come, the God of the heavens, to come in a weak and helpless baby. No other religion requires courage from the deity. It's not an emotion they'd understand. But God understands. Christmas means the impervious, impregnable God becoming the breakable and the vulnerable in order that we might know his love and his peace and his hope and his joy always. Ask the worship team to come. We're going to come to the communion table now. I'm going to pray and people are going to serve you. Father, we, in this season, reflect on what it is you've done. Jesus, by coming as a child, as his baby in that we might have life that our sins might be forgiven that we may know peace and hope and Lord so I ask in these moments now help us to be courageous enough vulnerable enough to confess our sin to submit to your lordship in a new way today even those last bits or those bits that we've not given you yet Father God draw us in to be able to give those to you as well Lord to accept any shame that the world will throw for the sake of the incredible honour that you will put on our heads we thank you for this story this Christmas story we thank you how it oozes your heart your love your compassion for us
We thank you for Joseph's courage today. We thank you for Mary's courage today. We thank you for the courage of Christ today. And we pray now, Lord, that you would help us be like your son. Lord, through your supper, melt us, Father, into your likeness. Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. For further podcasts or information, go to www.kca.church.